several days ago, I decided that I need to spend the day being present to the presence of friendship. Well, here's what happened. I go walking into the gym and uh, my trainer, Jeff, walked up to me, said, it's just about time to give you a hug before I kick your butt. Episode 211, being present for the presence of you fill in the blank. You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. Welcome to The Game Changers with more than 2.3 million listens and downloads and growing every week. This is the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential with Jason Jennings, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and USA Today bestselling author of eight books on leadership, growth, innovation, speed, and reinvention. Jason, great to be with you again today. Uh, Dale, it's uh, always great to be with you. So for the last number of episodes, we've been starting off by talking about the Jason Jennings Certification Program. And uh, this week, as folks, new folks are joining the podcast every week, we're going to start here again because this is really a cool effort that's um, going to be key for your 2020. Yes, it is. Yes, tell, us is. About, tell us about the program. All right. So for regular listeners, I'm going to go through this very quickly. Um, so uh, 11 months ago, I was in Bogota, Colombia doing a speech. Uh, after my speech, a young man uh, with PwC Bogota, Daniel Sarmiento, uh, asked if he could have a few minutes of my time. And so we, uh, we sat down, we were having a conversation, and he said, uh, what's going to happen to all of your knowledge? I mean, these 220,000 companies you've studied, all the knowledge you've gained teaching and consulting all around the world, what, what's going to happen when you either slow down or go away or don't want to do it anymore? Uh, and I said, well, I hope to be doing it for a long, long time. But, but that thought stuck in my head. I had difficulty letting it go. And then a couple of months ago, I was in Toronto for the first gathering of the uh, world's top 30 leadership gurus. And I learned from my friend, Dr. Marshall Goldsmith, about his plan to give his knowledge away. And by the end of the conference, I walked to the stage, shook his hand and said, I am going to do the same. So what's going to happen is in March of 2020, uh, that's coming up in what, about six months, five or six months, uh, uh, a number of people will be gathering uh, in my little village, Tiburon, California, right outside San Francisco. It's going to be a three-day event. Uh, it's going to be no charge, uh, no cost whatsoever. Uh, I just, it, it, I'm truly going to give all the knowledge away. And by the end of three days, you'll know everything there is to know about books and speeches and workshops and content uh, and and podcasts and uh, and all the insights. I think remarkable insights into these 220,000 companies I've studied for my book so far, and what I've learned from the almost 2,000 events I've done around the world in 100 countries. At the end of the three days, you're going to become Jason Jennings certified. Uh, you can act in my behalf. You can speak on my behalf. You can write on my behalf. Uh, you will be certified as having all the knowledge. We're hearing from loads of people. Uh, we're going to get back to everybody starting next week with some regular updates. We're still accepting uh, emails of interest. All you have to do is uh, write Jason at jason-jennings.com and say, hi, uh, here's my name. Here's one paragraph about me, and I'm interested uh, in possibly being part of this. Uh, you and I determined, and you were of great assistance in this, it's going to be self-selection. 
Uh, we're not going to sit here and say, well, this person can come and that one can't come and this one can come. Uh, I don't have that power. So uh, you're going to self-select. We're going to ask you to read books. We're going to ask you to listen to podcasts. We're asking you to gain the knowledge uh, because then the three days will really, really ring uh, if you come already armed with some knowledge. So if you want to get yourself on the list, uh, Jason at jason-jennings.com. Uh, I'll get back to you or we'll get back to you uh, uh, acknowledging your interest and then we'll start doing updates. Next week, we're going to post a blog and we're going to do an email blast uh, to my entire list. So uh, that's where the Jason Jennings Certification Summit sits right now. Oh, that's awesome. All right. We're excited. You've got the email address and uh, more information to come. So the you email uh, the topic for the conversation within an hour of our recording. That's because it's never done until an hour before we get together. Which, which is great. I love it. Um, and, and it makes for a more spontaneous conversation. But it always impresses me and just makes me step back and go, wow, on how often we are operating in parallel. I, I don't know. It's, it's just weird. So yesterday, um, I watched a TED Talk about yeah. the dangers of of the uh, mobile phone and uh, this computer we hold in our hands and social media specifically. And as a result of that, I went and I wiped every social media app off of my phone and made some commitments. So today, uh, minutes before the podcast, you send me being present for the presence. Now, this is going to creep you out. <laughs> this, this week, I got rid of 30 apps off my iPhone. We're doing the same thing in parallel. That is hilarious. Brothers from different mothers. There I you mean, go. I, I can't believe it. Yeah, just uh, uh, two days ago, I made the conscious decision. As, as part of what we're going to talk about today, I got rid of 20 apps on my telephone. Just they're gone and they're not coming back. So tell us the story. How did you arrive at this? Okay, so uh, being present for the presence of fill in the blank. First, a story to set it up properly. In 210 or 211 episodes, I might have told you this story once before years ago, and, and possibly I hadn't. I hadn't thought about this one for a long time. And, and the story has relevance. Uh, back in the 1930s, uh, a mother whose son was addicted to sugar, eating copious amounts of sugar, uh, took him uh, through the hot scorching sun and all day walk for many miles to the ashram of Mahatma Gandhi. And this kid, this young boy worshiped Mahatma Gandhi. And she said, when she finally got in front of him, she said, my son is addicted to sugar. He eats lots and lots of sugar. You're his idol. Would you please tell him it's not healthy to eat sugar? And uh, Gandhi looked at her and he said, I want you to come back in two weeks. And she said, well, why two weeks? He said, please come back in two weeks. So two weeks later, she repeats this all day walk, the hot scorching sun. They get in front and Gandhi sits the boys down and he said, uh, you should not be eating as much sugar. I want you to cut back to almost nothing. And the mother and, and the boy said, I will do it. And the mother said, well, uh, why did you make us come back two weeks later? Why couldn't you have said that two weeks ago? He said, because um, I had to see if I could give up sugar for two weeks before I could tell somebody else to do that. 
and uh, I, 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 that's always touched me. So I'm going to talk about something that happened to me recently in church, uh, but I don't want anybody listening to think they're going to get a sermon. Uh, we have Jewish people listening, Muslims, Indians, Buddhists, Christians. We've got people who are not believers, and everybody is welcome here. It's just that this one happened in church, and it really made a profound impact on me. So here's the experience. Uh, I was I was sitting in the congregation. We were welcoming back our pastor, our senior pastor, Elizabeth Eckdale, following her three-month sabbatical. Uh, our church has a program. I, I think the program is after 10 years of serving on the pastoral staff, you get a six-month sabbatical, and then every five years, you get a three-month sabbatical. And so she had just completed her three-month sabbatical of being gone from the church, and she started her sermon by telling us uh, what she'd done where she'd gone, where she'd visited, what she'd read and studied, and how she came back, I mean, fully rejuvenated, excited, and enthusiastic. And then she said, let me tell you why the sabbatical, my time away, went so well. She said that she had decided to spend all of her time being present to the presence of God in her life. She wanted to spend every moment of that three months being present to the presence of God. And she gave some examples. She talked about uh, visiting her mother, who has memory issues and is in assisted living. And she said, I was able to sit for hours answering the same questions over and over and over again and realizing I was in the presence of God. On her morning run, she said she looked at everything she saw differently because she knew she was in the presence of God. In all of her interactions, all of her travels, uh, all of the events, she was present for the presence of God. So I, I, I sat spellbound listening. She's, she's a very uh, powerful orator and a great thinker. And I was just letting all of this sink in. And then uh, following the church service, we always have a big coffee hour and desserts and foods in in the fellowship hall. And so I was down there and I I walked up to her and I said, uh, uh, you made a profound impact on me today. I said, but I think one word uh, could be replaced. And she said, well, what word is that? And I said, well, I think it's wonderful that you were present for the presence of God in everything you did. But I said, you know, I also think that you could be present for the presence of friendship. I think you could be present for the presence of family. I think you could be present for the presence of neighbors. I I think you could be present for the presence of whatever you were trying to to concentrate on, uh, to acts of love, of being nice, of beauty, kindness, compassion, uh, the simple acts of smiles and friendship. And uh, as is her way, she said, I am so glad that you were touched uh, and that this had a profound impact on you. And uh, let's talk about it um, on an ongoing basis going forward. So here's what I've been doing. Uh, You know that for a long, long time, uh, I wake up very, very early in the morning before the rest of the family. Uh, I go to the greenhouse, which is uh, attached to the family room, and I sit in darkness uh, for about a half hour. And that's always been my time of uh, gratitude. Uh, It's always been my time of not thinking about the tasks of the day, because if I did, I would go back to bed and pull the covers over my head. Instead, thinking about the one or two big things I want to accomplish during the day, people I want to touch, uh, how I can make a difference. And so I've already been doing this for a long, long time. But here's what I've been doing now uh, since this occurred every morning. Uh, I I spend the first 15 minutes, I, I turn on meditative, quiet 
music. And I spent 15 minutes thinking about being present and about what being presence means. And every day since I've started, I have found what I have decided to be focused on and present for. Uh, let me give an example. Um, several days ago, I decided that I need to spend the day being present to the presence of friendship. Well, here's what happened. I go walking into the gym and uh, my trainer, Jeff, uh, six foot five, 220 pounds, five or 6% body fat, uh, just a hulk of a man, walked up to me, said, it's just about time to give you a hug before I kick your butt. And he gave me this big, long bro hug. And I thought, you know, he is my friend. Uh, our relationship now goes back 17 or 18 years uh, since he's been my trainer. Uh, my viola teacher, I saw later that day, uh, Zamil. I probably talked uh, uh, about him on previous episodes. And he rang the doorbell, and I walked out to let him into the courtyard. And I opened up the door, and he said, how about a hug? And I thought, wow, this is, this is really, really cool. And later that day, I walked into the Woodlands Market grocery store, and Tammy, the manager of the store, said, Jason, come here. I need a big hug today. And when I was hugging her, she said, I love you so much. I just love it when you come in the store. You make my day. And I thought, wow, all of that happened. I, I, I don't know that it happened accidentally. I think because I had decided that day to be present for the presence of friendship, um, I, I was open to receiving. I, was, I, I know this sounds very new age and out there, and that's very unlike me. And so another day, I decided to focus uh, to be present uh, on the presence of family in my life. Uh, another day, I decided to be present for the presence of neighbors and ended up having some wonderful, wonderful uh, conversations with people uh, who have lived here for a long time who I haven't known. So what in the world does being present mean? Well, uh, as best I could explain it, it works like this. Uh, being present is defined as having your focus, your attention, your thoughts and feelings all fixed on the task at hand. It's that simple. And so there's an old Zen standby. This is step number one that I would share with people. And I've only stumped you once uh, in 211 episodes. There's only one time I asked you about something you didn't have the answer for. I'm not even going to ask you now because I know you would know this because you're a font of knowledge. But there's an old Zen standby. Uh, chop wood, carry water. And what does that mean? Well, one day, uh, a Zen instructor was talking to a mother and her young child and said, remember, chop wood, carry water. What does that mean? The little girl said, well, you should chop wood or you should carry water, but you should never do both at the same time. And so that old Zen standby is chop wood, carry water. If you're chopping wood, chop wood. If you're carrying water, carry water. Don't try to do them both. Number two, and I have really checked this out uh, medically to make sure uh, that I would never pass along incorrect information. This has had a big effect on me this week. Number two is breathe deeply, but here's the catch. Exhale through your nose. Dale, I'm not sure if you know this. Well, you know everything, so you probably know this. But a slow release of breath through your nose actually draws a relaxation response in your body. And I have been very mindful of my breathing during my 15 minutes of quiet thinking about being 
present for what I want to be present for. And then number three, uh, ask yourself what you're doing and then just do that. Erase other thoughts. You know, at any point in time, I probably, there are probably a hundred thoughts pinging around in my mind. It is such uh, it's such a great feeling to sit and erase all of those thoughts and only concentrate on what I'm doing at that moment. And it's, and it's quite easy to tell yourself, you know, you can come back to that other thought, that other thought that just jumped into your mind. You can come back. But for this time, I'm going to chop wood or I'm going to carry water. Step number four, remember the moment is now. You're never going to have this moment again. And number five, just let the rest go. So um, I think it's great. If you decide to be present for the presence of God, I think it's wonderful. And I certainly am very open to that. But I find that by spending time now being present for the presence of love or for friendship uh, or neighbors or for gratitude, uh, it's just had a pretty big impact on my life. And I think the byproduct is uh, that a couple of days ago, I decided to assist me in being present for the presence of whatever I was concentrating on. That was why I decided to get rid of the 20 apps off my telephone and they're not coming back. Mm. And your customers appreciate it when you are present. Your employees appreciate it when you are present. Your business is better when you're present. It's such an important lesson and reminder for us. So um, the, the chop wood carry water. I have a, an exercise that I run people through to prove that this idea that we've bought into that we can multitask is an absolute fallacy. Right. So in, and the way this works is grab a stopwatch. Yes. uh, Choose a two or three word phrase or, or just two or three words. Yes. And, um, write those out almost like you're playing hangman. You know, you've got, yes put a dash and you're going to write a letter, but as you write it, write the first letter and then write a corresponding number underneath it. So if I'm going to write out Jason Jennings podcast, it would be J and then right underneath the J I'm going to write a one and yes. then A and two time it and see how long it takes you to write out those three words, letter, number, letter, number, letter, number. Yes. Then go back and use the same stopwatch and time it by just writing the letters one after another, J-A-S-O-N, and then write the numbers right underneath it. And as I've run audiences through that exercise, uh, they will cut the time for, the, for that task of yes. writing statement and writing the numbers in half or more by doing just one thing at a time, writing the letters and then writing the numbers. I love so it. it. It proves that our brains... They can switch back and forth between tasks, but the research shows that it takes close to when we're working like this, it takes 20 minutes to get back in the zone for whatever the job is you're doing if you switch tasks back and forth. So it's the science is there to prove it, as you said. And yeah, you know, um, people who say that they are proficient at multitasking, I, uh, I, I, I just, I, I don't believe it. I, uh, uh, a long, long time ago, I realized, so for example, books, when I'm researching, I research. When I'm writing, I'm writing. When I'm editing, I'm editing. When I'm promoting, I'm promoting. I cannot, I cannot do 
all of those simultaneously. It just does not work. Uh, you really have to either carry water or chop wood and be completely focused and in the present for what you're trying to do right now. And then because I struggle with this, so I've been looking for ways to make make this idea of being present easier. I discovered this about the breathing aspect. So when if you want to focus on breathing, stand with your legs about shoulder width apart mm-hmm. and put your hands basically on your hips, make a U with your thumb and your forefinger yep. and wrap, wrap them around your waist. And you yep. should feel your stomach muscles move as you take that deep inhale and then you can let it go. Now, while you're doing that, take your tongue and force it to the roof of your mouth as you breathe in and out your nose. Now, Take your tongue and force it to the bottom of your mouth, push it up behind those bottom set of teeth Uh and take the same breath in through your nose and out through your nose. Wow. (laughs) A little more difficult. Yes, it is. Wow. (laughs) So the natural, the natural thing is for us to, and so if you, so the way I've taught myself to be more present is to think about those activities that I'm doing. So I'm feeling myself breathe and then I'm, I'm pushing my tongue to the roof of my mouth so that I get a more complete inhale, uh, more oxygen in the system. So it was, it's just, it's cool to see how we're thinking about the same things. Uh, amazing. And I'm sure there's a few people listening who are saying, Oh, the guys are just about to go over the edge. They're getting, all, they're, they're getting all new age on us. Uh, um, but but guess it works. What? The science says it works. And the science says it works. The science says it works. And I am just so excited. You know, I, I, I've told you before, and I am not a proponent for, for any one religion over another. I think there are great faiths in the world, but I will tell you this. The one thing I'll say in front of, in favor of religion is this. I have been in uh, uh, many synagogues. I have been in many temples. I have been in many churches of many different faiths, and I have never failed to pick up one thing from the sermon uh, in my life. I've, I've never failed to just have something jogged. And to all those people who say, ah, I don't need organized religion. I can, you know, worship on a rock, sit in the sunshine. And I always say, okay, well, what time do you do that? I mean, if you do that Sunday mornings from 10 to 11, God bless you, Pax Domino's Taste Christum, go for it. But I don't believe you've got a time where you regularly do that. I, um, I think there's an argument uh, for just once a week sitting and listening to somebody talk about something that can jog something within you. And I know that I'm a better man for pastor Elizabeth Eckdale saying that she spent her three months being present for the presence of God and everything that she did. And uh, what a big effect it had on me. No kidding. And what's uh, always fun as we arrive at this time in the podcast is you find a way to really drive the point home with a final word. Final word this week uh, comes from another friend of mine. His name is Fred Fox. He is the spitting rabbi, and uh, he actually leads spin classes at the Bay Club in Marin County, California. Lots of them. And he's amazingly, uh, um, I, I don't know his age. I would guess he's 65 or 70, but amazingly fit leading all of these spin classes. And so he's known as Fred Fox, the spinning rabbi. And he passed along this story to me, and, uh, and I love it. I love it. I, I, I'm a sucker for a story. It seems that a husband and wife moved into a new neighborhood. 
And uh, as they sat down for breakfast each day, they could look out their window and see what was going on in their neighbor's backyard. And uh, one day, the wife mentioned the husband. She said, look, look at the neighbor lady. She just hung out her wash to dry on the clothesline, and she must not use detergent. I mean, it's uh, her laundry looks very, very dirty. And as the weeks went by, she continued to tell her husband, look at how horrible, dirty that laundry looks. Why doesn't this woman know how to properly do laundry? And then finally, one day, she looked out the window and she saw all of these bright, beautiful clothes hanging on the line. And she said, look, the woman learned finally how to do laundry. He said, no, honey, I got up early this morning and I washed the windows. <laughs> uh, which reminds me that we don't always see things as they are. We see things as we are. So true. Thank uh, you. Uh, yeah, it, it was worth the wait for that, right? Absolutely. It is. That makes us think this week. Well, I will encourage folks to subscribe in the iTunes store or wherever you listen to this podcast. If you have not done so already while you are out there, would you do us a huge favor and write a review and leave us the stars? Hopefully we've earned five stars from you in the rating for this episode of the podcast. So rate and review us in your favorite podcast listening app. And if this one really meant something to you, would you do us just one more and forward it to someone you think would enjoy the conversation. So uh, let somebody else know. That's the best way to pay it forward. You can also contact Jason. He'd love to hear from you, hear how you're being present. Or if you're interested in the Jason Jennings certification, the email address is jason at jason-jennings.com. Jason Jennings, the author who USA Today has called one of the three most in-demand business speakers in the world. Learn how your group or company can have Jason and keynote your next event, visit his website, jason-jennings.com. You've been listening to The Game Changers, leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention with business thought leader, best-selling author, and keynote speaker, Jason Jennings. Read Jason's most recent New York Times bestseller, The Reinventors, and visit his website at jason-jennings.com. <laughs>